Basic Bitches Movie Club, where we talk to music people about movies about music people. I'm Naomi, I use she, her pronouns. I'm Crystal, I use she, her pronouns, and we are Basic Bitches. So today we're talking with Landy Hecht about 2003's School of Rock, starring Jack Black as a rock guitarist disguised as a substitute teacher who turns a group of private school preteens into an arena rock band by teaching a curriculum dedicated to classic rock legends, including Jimi Hendrix, Led Zeppelin, Cream, and ACDC. So thanks for joining us, Landy. Um, Let's jump in. What made you pick School of Rock? Well, aside from it being one of the greatest films ever made, (laughs) um, one thing I love about School of Rock is that I'm the exact same age as the fictional students, because it's like filmed in comes out in 2003 and they're all 10 and I was 10 in 2003. I only discovered this the other day, but you know, looking back now, questioning why I have such deep love for this film, I reckon there's gotta be something to do with that. Um, But it's just great, isn't it? What a film. It's like, it's the most ridiculous of like pure rock and most people find it like cringeworthy, but I don't. I just, <laughs> I just find it so inspiring. <laughs> so um, at 10, were you already playing any instruments? Yeah, I think so. I think I started playing bass when I was 10. That was my year. I don't know if maybe School of Rock was a massive influence back then, but I don't think I would have seen it as soon as it came out. But, but yeah, basically that was my, my year to get started. Cool. So there was just a, there was a little bit of a, you know, seeing yourself on screen going on. Yeah, yeah. You know the like cello or bass girl. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> Apart from I never played the cello. I just went straight in. I'm it. not just convinced if you can play the cello, you can just turn it the other way up and suddenly play the bass. I don't think. I, don't know. I I think he's onto something there because you couldn't play a bass and then cello upright a cello like that's not happening do you know what I mean you can't just use a bow know where all the frets are without the without the actual metal frets you know be able to kind of do all the classical stuff yeah like vibrato. but if you've learned all of that stuff and then you start playing bass I reckon easy because right. bass is quite easy you know <laughs> like not not as easy as like some things, but mm-hmm. but easier than others. Like for example, guitar solos or something. Yeah. At least with a bass, like it's just you know, you got a few notes all just one note, you know. Right. The first song that string, she you plays. Can play everything on one string if you really want to. Yeah. The first song she plays, he's like just played. Yeah. Me. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's like also part of what's what I thought was so cool about this watching it recently is like the way he kind of makes this music so accessible to these kids it's like songs that we've heard like you know smoke on the water or whatever these are like huge huge classic rock songs and then he's like no you got it just do the bum 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 just keep it just keep it rolling and he's like got them playing it within three minutes you know he just kind of like blew the doors open and made this music really accessible and really fun 
for all these kids who kind of had no idea what they were about to get into. Yeah, my my favorite bit on on that from what you just said, like the fact that because obviously like it makes you feel oh great maybe it is just that easy and it kind of inspires you to get up and you want to play something but also I, I really love the bit where he gets the the drummer kid and he's like he just gets him to like sort of just do a little something on the cymbals and then he just hits like the snare and that's it and he's like you've got it you've got it but then when he starts playing he's just playing like an eight beat and then he does a few fills it's like hang on <laughs> yeah where did you get that from <laughs> that's so weird yeah he's gone from <laughs> like the orchestral crashing symbols together and music class and suddenly yeah yeah, yeah. So totally out of touch as well yeah 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 that bit is great the fact that you just think well i think the message behind that bit is like okay no one can play but the spirit of rock will just make you be able to play <laughs> so as a viewer you're just thinking okay well probably that's what happens to everyone who starts a band you can't play at all and then as soon as you all get together you can just play yeah, there is a really strong, really nice message of just like, just give it a go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. Oh, it's full of like heartwarming messages. Yeah. Yeah. And also that like, you know, the just if you just believe in the power of rock, you know, this kind of like unbridled commitment to rocking, which, you know, I really appreciate. It's just a general mentality. And uh is something we we kind of talked about when we watched Spinal Tap um, for the movies record we put out over the winter. We were like, you know, they just they're they're not good. And like Jack Black is actually not a very good musician in the movie. Like his songwriting is not good, his band is not good, but like he just wants to rock and he just believes that if he rocks hard enough. He's, it's gonna happen. It's all gonna happen. And and we had a, a similar reaction when we watched Final Tap. It was like they're kind of all idiots, but they just love to play music. They just want to make music, and they don't care where they are or who's listening. It's not really for anybody else. It's for it's for them. And uh, you know, there's value in that. I think. I also really like the fact that like he's kind of painted as this like really egotistical, like idiotic kind of he's just in it for like the good times of the rock or whatever and that's kind of true up to a point and then when uh, he asks like the class like what's you know what's it all about what does it mean to you or whatever and then people are saying like you know it's about getting loaded or like getting laid or whatever and he's like no <laughs> it's not about that it's about like the spirit of rock and it like it gets kind of almost like quite abstract at that point because you're a bit like well most people do think those things not most people but people who are into like bands like ACDC or whatever do just want to get wasted or, or have a good time or whatever but it's so wholesome like the fact that he's like no it's not about any of that like that's all completely secondary and that's the moment where I'm like wow <laughs> I'm, I love to rock so much <laughs> yeah I mean I really do, I really appreciate as well, like the songs, the two songs that they write as a band that turn up in this, which we realized were written by the guy from that band, the Mooney Suzuki. I don't know if you remember them. Um, Who is that? They were like a New York band. They're around the same time as like the Strokes and uh, oh. they had this one huge song. Funnily enough, me and Crystal actually saw them play 
I was a huge fan. I loved yeah. the Mumi Suzuki back when they were a thing. And the, the great garage rock revival of the early 2000s. <laughs> they had this one song that was, that was huge in the UK. It was on a car advert. Um, oh, what did it go like? Oh, God. <laughs> All I can remember is it has this sample of like a bunch of women's voices just going like, ah, because when we saw them live, there was a guy stood at the side of the stage with like a button just going, ah. <laughs> and I can't remember how the song goes. Um, I'll Google it later. Yeah. That was the only one of their songs that I really knew, and it was this. It was. It was definitely. So Jack Black didn't write those songs. No. You didn't write them on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> those are those are real good songs. Yeah, because I watched I watched School of Rock the other day, and I've had you know the like if you wanna be a teacher. Yeah, that's a great song. <laughs> oh, so catchy. Yeah, it's really good. Really catchy. Well, yeah, and the you know the backup singers. Yeah, yeah the backup the backup vocals in that song are really they just really make the they really elevate the whole thing. <laughs> but I mean, I think he did a really. I I'm gonna look up Muni Suzuki guy's name because I I want to credit him for this this effort. But um, I think he did a really good job of like like those songs they wrote. You can hear elements of all the songs that they've been learning about you know what I mean like those backup vocals are fr like they're so ubiquitous and like the chord progression is very like ACDC like they've just like he's just oh, taken the building blocks um yeah I think that's that's quite important to make that obvious especially if like if one minute they're doing like smoke on the water and then the next minute they're writing their own song, you've got to be able to like hear the kind of bridge between the two. Yeah. So that it's kind of believable. Um, Sammy James Jr. is the guy's name. He wrote the School of Rock song. Um, the encore that they do. I guess it's the encore. Cause they, yeah, there's a couple, there's two songs, right? Well, yeah, there's the song that they initially start out doing, which is, um, you know, supposed to be Jack Black's song about, like, you know, not being hardcore. Because you're not hardcore. Unless right. you live hardcore. And then he's just, like, <laughs> talking about not paying the rent. Um, <laughs> so, the, the, okay, so there's, there's a School of Rock song, which I think is the, like, um, you know, you better get me to school on time. That one. Like, he wrote that. And then... The it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. Yeah, that's an ACDC cover, right? Is it? Yes, it is. But the Mooney Suzuki are playing on that with the kids. And the oh, Mooney wow. Suzuki is in the movie. They're like one of the bands hanging out backstage during the Battle of the Bands. Are they the one with um, Spider in it? No, they are not. <laughs> but I love that guy. He's just so wow, you know? So that guy, um, his name is Lucas Babin, Babin Spider. He is now a um, politician. He is, I'm trying to find exactly what he is because uh, he's the district attorney of Tyler County, Texas. Improbably what? enough. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. It, Do you think he uses like his role as Spider? 
my votes. Maybe. I mean, he was like a model. Um, he was like a Versace and Gucci, like jeans mainly, I think, model. And then, and he's in an Alanis Morissette video as well. Wow. Um, and then I guess he just retrained. <laughs> That's so good. I love his um, black leather, like just sleeve yeah, top. You know, just absolutely like, yeah. iconic. Iconic look. It's really iconic, isn't it? And I just <laughs> love that he's chatting up the headmistress. Yeah. And he does that like weird, creepy eye, like continual eye contact thing. He yeah. won't stop moving, but he's like, his eyes are like, yeah. He just does a really, for somebody who is primarily a model, he does a really good yeah. acting job on that. He, he definitely, he knows what he wants in that film. And he's not, he's not scared to go for it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Joan Cusack. Yeah, I mean, we haven't even mentioned how incredible Joan Cusack is in this movie. <laughs> I mean, I think she's great. I think Joan Cusack is great, just generally speaking, but I, I really appreciate her performance in this, uh, in this movie, for sure. Yeah, she's really good. I like the bit where they go to um, that bar and she's like getting loose on the beers. <laughs> yeah. And you really see like the first human side of her, you know? Yeah, Crystal pointed like, out, she, what did she say? I had never noticed, but she's drinking the beer with two hands. She's drinking yeah, yeah, the beer yeah, like, like a kid. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, it's so, so Those are just like, the special touches you get with a Joan Cusack performance. She's <laughs> really committed to like how uptight and awkward um, this, this school principal is. But I think in, in anybody else's hands, it could have been a really one note character she's just you know the like very stern uh principal but she really uh the pressure you know the incredible pressure that she's under all of the time and then everything goes completely wrong and awry as an entire class of students just goes missing and is in a rock concert it's uh <laughs> when she says that to the parents she like announces that everyone's missing mm -hmm. she says it with this like insane smile because she's obviously there going like, you can see that that's the breaking point for Joan. Mm -hmm. And like, she, she's sort of gone through all this stress over the term. Yeah. And then you can really see that she's like, they're gone, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, she just lets go of like any sense of control and just starts mm -hmm. smiling at them all. I think that's a good moment. Yeah. I also really love when um, after after the kids do the show and they all come off stage and she's backstage and she's like, oh, you were amazing. That was incredible. And he goes, what, you're not mad? And she goes, I'm furious, but that was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Just this like combination of, of joy and absolute anger at the same time. Like those, those emotions have just all, are all intermingled in her now. And that was a great, complex. yeah. It's a complex yep. <laughs> also the bit, because I'm not done with Joan yet the bit where um they're in that bar and she no no he's dropping her back at the school by the way they're drinking they shouldn't be driving welcome and to then, America um, yeah, then, yeah I know I, it just makes me so uncomfortable I'm like what's going on and then um he they're just chatting and then she says like um you're the only teacher to ever ask me to do anything after school and I'm just like, oh, yeah. That, just made, that made me real like sad just to think about 
how you know she struggles so much socially yeah i'd like to think that there's a there's like definitely a some kind of small if not relationship dalliance that happens there after after the events of the movie i kind of thought that there was some sort of romance going on with those two there yeah. is some chemistry building, right and then at the end it's like no it's spider and i guess the <laughs> romance between Jack black and rock music you know yeah okay what do you think about that Where's the romance in this film? I mean, that it, it, it may be one of the rare movies with no romance subplot. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that is a good point. Jet Black and rock music. Well, you know, when we had, we also sort of, after we watched this, we are like, you know, the women in this movie don't come off great. You know, <laughs> you have Joan Cusack as the, the uptight principal who loses control of the whole situation. And Sarah Silverman as the um, stereotypical nagging girlfriend who um, ruins everything for everybody. And that's kind of it. And even really in the music that they talk about in the, like in the class, there aren't a whole lot of female musicians um, covered. I think there's like maybe a passing reference to Blondie and the bass player name checks Meg White. But I don't think, (laughs) It's really much yeah. help. <laughs> and also when, when they reference Blondie, he says, listen to Blondie, Blondie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Any kind of chance of like, you know, feminist representation is just taken away by calling someone Blondie, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I mean, it's a little, that a shame. it's a, that, that did, I felt, I felt a little bit sad about that. I mean, like the one girl, the girl who secretly has an amazing singing voice. He gives her dark side of the moon. Mm. And that is an incredible vocal, but like the, the woman who sang that is not like no, known general. I'm sure we could find out who it is, but it's not like, I don't know, he could have given her any number of other like, or at least gone, listen to this. The singer is blah, blah, blah. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, hey, listen to this one thing now your only aspiration the one thing you can really aim for is to be an, a non-credited singer yeah. <laughs> the career of men. like that mm-hmm. sounds really fun doesn't it yeah and like the only like real named female musician that that gets called out is stevie nicks but she's called out in the context of like I don't know, this is a thing that Joan Cusack likes, so I don't know if we're supposed to take away from it that Jack White actually rates Stevie Nicks, or he's just like pretending for the sake I didn't of... think that it came across like he was, I think it came across like Stevie Nicks isn't very current, because let's face it, in 2003 mm. or two, whenever it was made, Stevie Nicks wasn't, you know, Fleetwood Mac weren't old enough to be really cool for everyone. I think they've had a massive revival because of the years that they were kind of popular. Yeah. Whereas back then it was like really like, you know, it's, it's pretty wet, you know? <laughs> Which I guess it still is. Like a lot of people do do kind of slag off um, Fleetwood Mac for that. I mean, and they're playing like Edge of Seventeen, which is the Stevie Nicks solo song. Like, I know she's put out album after album after album, but that is the song that I know. <laughs> He's not, it's not a deep track. Um, 
Yeah, it's a little bit of a shame. I mean, I know that like that that era maybe doesn't it, it certainly doesn't have the volume of female musicians that it does of male musicians, but you know, we've got Heart out there. Um oh, Bonnie Tyler. Um even if you go back to Janice Joplin, like there's he could have gone somewhere. Those girls, those girls deserved a little bit better from Jet Black, is all I'm saying. Yeah, I think I think it kind of comes down to like this idea of like classic rock. Mm-hmm. And classic rock, you know, was a horrifically sexist place. And he, even in like the um, well, especially in when he's putting the band together, you've got the the one who plays the bass, um, but he's going like, you know don't worry it's super easy yeah I mean yeah, I know he's about everything but the point is like the the lead guitarist Zach is like already sick on guitar so it's not like a a big deal and also he gets like so much praise and then um and then the only other girls in it are like the backing singers and then the groupies which oh, is the like groupies is a little really inappropriate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's weird and then and then like the band manager yeah which actually, that's kind of, that's not bad. Yeah, you know? she did, she but did a good job. She did a good job. And, um, but I do, I do feel like, yeah, they did let, they let girls down there, I think. And, the, and her being the band manager was like, she was good at that job, despite being given that job as, as like a one-off. Cause he kind of was like, I don't know what to do with you. You're kind of like mouthy and you want to do, you know? <laughs> and it's like, you get to be the band manager. And then thinking she's not going to do anything about it. It will just shut her up and give her something to do. But she like actually does an amazing job. Um, so, you know, but it, we also, uh, there is the speech he gave um, one of the backup singers about Aretha Franklin, which I appreciated um, having been a, a chubby girl in a choir who a lot of times didn't want to get, get up in front of the rest of my class and sing. Um, I appreciated him giving her that speech, like, you know, like Aretha Franklin, nobody, no, when she's up on stage and she's singing, she's 100% authentically herself and everybody loves that, like that that felt like a valuable uh, message in a sea of not super positive messages for, for women and young girls. And the fact that he says like, you know, he's not trying to say like anything other than, no, that is actually okay. Yeah. You know, and that's cool. You know, it's mm-hmm. not like, he's not saying like that you should change or that, you know, there's any way that you should be involved that's not just like yourself. Yeah. That is actually a really heartwarming moment. And I think if I remember rightly, a small tear <laughs> came out of my eye. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, there are, I mean, there are oh, so many of those kind of heartwarming, redeeming moments. Honestly, every time I see this movie, I do get a little bit choked up at the end when they play the song because it's so good and they're so fun. Like, And it's such a good song and everybody does a great job. It's like, it's hard not to get emotional about it especially people like us we play music and like all we ever want to do is play one great show you know one great show can change the world it's like you know maybe they didn't change the world but things did change in all of their lives as a result of that like one great show you know everybody kind of seemed to like figure themselves out at the end of it totally and I love the scene where they're playing in that like 
rehearsal room, which by the way, looks like such a nice space. Yeah. <laughs> you know, about like rehearsal spaces, that's my dream space. You know, it looks like a living room, but it looks kind of soundproofed as well. Mm -hmm. Really love that. And they just look, yeah, they look really happy. I would have liked to have seen a little, you know, what's next in the career of these children. Yeah, you know, like to see like a little tour poster or something. <laughs> yeah, right. We get a little bit what's next for uh, Jack Black and um, and and Mike White, the real Ned Schneebly. <laughs> they end yeah. up doing making the School of Rock. I mean, it's like loosely based on a true story in that there was a School of Rock. I don't think that the owner of the School of Rock in real life pretended to be somebody else and infiltrated <laughs> at school to the best of my knowledge what's the story then what's the real story um it's just i think so the movie was written by mike white who plays ned um oh. and i think he just sort of saw a teacher uh, like the, the guy that started it um talking about the music it was in um, Canada, it was in Vancouver, and it was a music teacher who got the kids, this was in the 70s, 76, 77, they recorded the kids performing the Beach Boys and David Bowie and Paul McCartney and things like that. Um, and then like they recorded a record that was sort of lost to the world and then someone re-released it in 2001 and it became like a cult hit no yeah so that <laughs> and it was re-released again in 2018 by bar none records so it's out there wow so that he heard that so this was yeah so 2001 it's like two years before the movie was out you know um so that just gave him the general idea i think because a load of schools a load of like rock schools kind of popped up after this movie. Like I remember there being news stories about like that, like after school things, even in the UK, I remember it being a thing. Me and my friend um, in Exeter started a workshop called School of Frock, which was like just for girls to start bands. Mm -hmm. um, still kind of going just, to, but it was just like a one day workshop. But that's totally like, I'll send you the logo. It's like based on the School of Rock logo, Amazing. but it's got like, <laughs> it's got like a heart shaped guitar and stuff. It's a good model, isn't it? That film of just like, like we were saying, just super simple, you know, don't take too long like learning anything. In fact, don't take any time learning mm -hmm. anything. You're all on the spot. And then it's going to be way better than if you spend like a year learning. Yeah, there's what there's um there's an organization in Brooklyn called the Willie May, um what's it Willie May Girls Rock Willie May Rock Camp like that yeah, um specifically for girls and non-binary children, and they do like summer camps so they go for like a week, and sort of learn the instruments <laughs> and start bands and they have to like come up with the band names and like and then they do like a like a show you can go see them play. Yeah, yeah, that's so good. Yeah. Imagine doing something like that when you were young. Right? I just had to play the clarinet. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> that's the classic, isn't it? Like violin, piano, clarinet. Yeah. 
but I played the piano and then I played the clarinet because you couldn't be in any of the school orchestras with the piano. So I learned the clarinet and then and then I learned the, the cooler instruments. <laughs> you upgraded. Right, but not till after secondary school. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I, sa- I sang a little bit with some bands, but I didn't know how to play any of the cool instruments. When, um, when I was in like middle school, so yeah, when I was like 10, like I was saying, that's when I first started playing bass and I just wanted to play all the time. And, and we had a band that we did like, we did like loads of emo covers. I was really into emo when we were with Lam. And, um, but we, there also the other opportunity to play in front of people other than like school assemblies where my band, my emo band would play to like a load of confused children. Amazing. Was the, um, the school play. Mm-hmm. So it would be like me and then like a few teachers, you know, like the maths department doing the, <laughs> doing the lead guitar and like the science teacher doing the piano. And I was there like playing bass. And um, I always felt like, have you ever had it in school where you know that the other kids are annoyed just looking at you? Cause you're like becoming mates with the teachers. Yeah. <laughs> but you, it feels so good to be welcomed into their circle and to be praised that you just cannot help but just absolutely love every second of it. <laughs> yeah, That is the worst, isn't it? For a certain type of kid, that is like where you excel in school, like where you carve out a little moment for yourself. Oh, yeah. Well, that was true of the children of School of Rock. Yeah. They all felt special by the end of that show. Especially the keyboard player who had oh, such yeah. low self-esteem. You know when he goes to to not Ned Schneebly and he says like, I'm not cool. Yeah. And you're just like, thinking like, what? Have you seen your hair in the last <laughs> scene? Like, you are literally the coolest person to ever be on telly. <laughs> it's so empowering for that reason. Yeah, I mean, and and I think what works about School of Rock as the movie and like also as a model for this kind of like a larger uh, music education curriculum is like it had the right balance of of structure and freedom for like the kids to have a place to like learn and practice and understand and like have conversations with each other and like also have a goal like they had a goal maybe it wasn't actually a prestigious competition with other schools it was a battle of the bands but like they had a goal to to learn this thing to create something to do something great and you know that's what a lot of I think a lot of us need as young like when we were kids and being creative but like not totally knowing what that creativity was or where it should go I never went to a school that had a music program. So it, it took me years to be in a place like that. And I, I went to the ladies rock camp, um, which was the like grown up version of the rock camp for girls when I first moved to New York. And that was how I met the first people I ended up playing music with. How I started my first band in the city, like how I got to see a whole bunch of the city and play in these venues. It was like a dream for me to have like exactly that experience to be thrown into this situation be like, I kind of know how to play bass. I guess I'm just going to do this and see what happens. And uh, 
it, it's pretty, it's pretty magical that, that model and that combination of the, like the structure and chaos at the same time, you can really make something special happen. That's so cool. That's a really, yeah, that's such a nice way to kind of be put into it in like within a group of people who are all new to it as well, rather than, you know, feeling really freaked out kind of coming meeting a load of people and then kind of asking and getting denied to start bands and then you're not good enough and it just feels horrible but to be somewhere where it's all equal and everyone's learning is just so amazing and you know what you were saying about like yeah like not kind of having the means to be able to do that or even know that it's possible or anything I think that is the not that I'm still talking about School of Rock because I love it so much but (laughs) one thing that that is slightly annoying about the film is the fact that it's obviously in this like ridiculously expensive private school Mm -hmm. and you do kind of feel like okay so this is really great for these kids like brilliant they've opened their minds to like rock and roll when they have conservative parents but they also have every single chance to do anything else with their lives (laughs) and probably like you know will still even though they've had this time to to be like in a rock band they're probably still going to become like pretty evil lawyers or (laughs) it's still annoying like that that yeah like I guess what I'm saying is it's still it's cool because they're kids and even rich kids don't have much power because they're still children aren't they yeah but it would have been nice to see the the film made for like a kind of really low end economically kind of state school or whatever yeah. for kids that actually it would make a huge difference to their confidence and like they would never have had that chance had had Jack Black not come. you know what Jack Black should make up for that little faux pas by going round to to his state schools I think the film you just described is Sister Act 2 but <laughs> <laughs> um so were you aware of like classic rock at the age of 10 like are these songs that you already knew or you learned about them as the children in the movie learn about them I think I knew the songs like you know how you just recognize them Mm. from literally I have no idea how but you just know them yeah but I wouldn't have known like who who wrote which song. But yeah, I totally just wasn't into classic rock at all. I don't think anybody was in 2003. No, because <laughs> even if you can kind of get over the fact that the riffs are so overplayed and cliche and kind of painful, even if you can get over that, as soon as these men start singing, it's like sort of like a suffocating raccoon or something it's the weirdest sound I remember like being yeah about 10 or 11 and um a friend of mine was like listening to Led Zeppelin and was like oh do you want to I'm pretty sure yeah someone in my band was like oh we need to cover Led Zeppelin and I was like okay like you sound like a dad but I'll listen to it and we're listening to it. I was like, okay. And then, yeah, then the singing comes in. I'm like, this is the most insane thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Absolutely not. Like, how is our singer going to be able to sing anything like this? And why would he ever want to? So I think I definitely thought that all those songs were, all those bands were really weird. I think I still do, to be honest. 
don't know if they'll ever become relevant again. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's um, every now and then things come out that kind of reference it. Like, I don't know, did you ever hear the X Hex records? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mary Timoney. Right, because mm -hmm. I feel like that is the the guitar riffs and that are certainly skirting around. They're they're a little bit more like they're a little bit more American. They're a little bit more like cheap trick and stuff, but they're like. They're in the realm of classic rock. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but but because but the singing of isn't playing the music, it's like completely unmeasurably cooler. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, like the singing and stuff. So I do, I, but it's the same with like. To be honest, I have actually started getting into Thin Lizzy recently. Mm -hmm. Now I realise how great they were. <laughs> but um, that band Sheer Mag. Yeah. Sound a lot like Thin Lizzy and I imagine are, are massively influenced by them but it's so much more sort of relevant to now than the classic rock sound yeah but it's you know, way I think for me that's almost a gateway so yeah maybe what you're saying about XX I probably like classic rock more after hearing bands like that who do it so well yeah I mean my, my next question was going to be like do you think that this the music that you discovered or rediscovered through this movie at all influenced your own music making? Sounds like no. I, I don't think so, yeah. <laughs> I think like influenced music making in the sense that like, so when I watched this film the other day, it was with my friend who plays drums for my solo project and we watched it together and we were practicing the next day and we were like, oh my God, I'm so excited to rock and we, were, like, we need to like get dressed up for practice and you know all these things like we were just so so excited about it um and I think yeah probably like even back in the day when I would I mean I've seen that film a lot of times so maybe it's inspired me to to pick up my guitar just because I like the way it, that it all looks and I think they look great and stuff so in that sense yeah but not the not the sound <laughs> Yeah, I mean, in the inspiration, it, it doesn't have to necessarily be the the sound itself, but just like if it inspires you to create and make music, then it doesn't really matter, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I think there's a really good lesson in um, like what we were saying earlier about like the often the first practice with a new band, it's either it's going to go one or two ways. You're just going to instantly gel and how instantly have a great time or everyone's gonna really awkwardly sort of play a little bit of something and then stop because they're like, oh no, I don't know if that's right. Like <laughs> there's a really good lesson in just like, just play someone else's song. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I always think like, if you're in a room with the new musicians, just pick a song that everyone knows and just fuck about and try and play that first. And then you can find out if there's any kind of musical chemistry right. or if you're kind of playing in the right way or even if you all like the same song that you can agree on. Yeah. yeah. I, to be honest, it's been a long time since I played in a band where there isn't like a single songwriter. You know, like it's been, and actually I do miss that. I used to love when I was a lot younger, just like jamming. Do you remember jamming? I mean, hopefully <laughs> you do it sometime. I don't do it and ever and it's sad. 
Yeah, I think it's like, it's a very different, like a totally different type of music comes out of that way of writing, you know? Totally. And when you're, when you're a kid, like when, yeah, when I was like 10, 11 or whatever, and we used to jam nonstop, everyone would like, say they just had like a lesson, like a bass lesson, a drum lesson, or, or just been practicing on their own and like learned a little trick. Like the drummer had learned like, like a, you know, four note fill on the snare. And then the, I'd always learn like how to do like fifths above each note to like decorate playing the bass or whatever. So you'd learn like one trick and you just do it relentlessly, <laughs> you know, like just because you can't get bored of this new thing you've learned and it's just so exciting. Yeah, do you know what? This conversation has made me really want to start a new band <laughs> where we like jam, jam time. Yeah. yeah. I'm getting on that. I'm going to make some calls. <laughs> first first things first, band name, then, yeah. then jam. <laughs> everything evolves from the band name. That's the yeah. way that everybody does everything when they're like 14. <laughs> well, I think the lesson, the takeaway here is that the, the more accessible that rock in all of its forms can be, the better it is for everybody, right? You know, the, the earlier you can get into it, and whatever avenue that is, the better, right? Because then we all have a chance to like be inspired by each other, learn other things. And, um, you know, I think that's something that that this movie does really well. And that for me, that's why it's like, I find it so heartwarming at the end because it is that like, that critical moment when all you've learned and all of the collaboration like, comes together and you get the, the appreciation from the audience and to know that people are into it, what you worked on. And it's uh, those kind of full circle moments that, that make it all worthwhile, right? And even if you don't win, you still get an encore. Yeah, you get an encore, you have one. That is winning. All right, I think we've, we've, kind of, uh, we've kind of done it. We've kind of explained School of Rock. Love it. Um, I, I, I feel really good now that I've, said all those things and heard you two talk about it <laughs> I had so many feelings about the film you know yeah and I really feel like I've got them out so thank you so much well, thank so you. this is what we're here for this is the service we provide you know <laughs> um so is there anything that you're working on or anything coming up for you that you want to let people know about and uh let let the people know how to find out more about you well I I put out an album in January. Um, so that's kind of something that I'm still trying to hope is still a thing <laughs> because I haven't been able to play a single show. Um, and I'm not convinced that that will be happening anytime particularly soon. Um, but yeah, the album is called Going to Hell and it's, it's around if anybody feels like listening to it. Awesome. I'm sure I'm sure people will feel like listening to it so <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's great there's a lot of uh there's a lot of rock riffs in there so nice Jack, Jack Black would be loving it <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much for for doing this and uh it was really great to talk to you thank you for choosing this movie it's uh, it was really fun to talk about it and to watch it again thanks for having me it's been great yeah so speak to you soon yeah Nice. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks. Bye. Have a nice day. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Basic Bitches Movie Club, produced by us, Basic Bitches. 
If you would like to know more about us, please visit basicbitchesband.com. Don't forget to review, rate and subscribe to this podcast on your provider of choice.